Welcome back to the Sounder Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the World Hogs. I'm your host, Charlie Lobner. Hope you're having a great week out there. Hope you're having a successful deer season. Hope you're getting out there and hunting hogs as well since you're already out there and most likely got corn in the feeder. Most likely spend a little time in the stand and the blind. Maybe you got your trap set. It's been slow for us on the farm. We've been... Haven't been seeing a whole lot of pigs until here recently. Started seeing a little bit more moving in. And uh, I have a pretty good-sized boar coming to the feeder here lately. Looking at hopefully getting out of here a little early today and maybe go climbing up in the stand and see if I can put an arrow in them. Um, that's been my my downfall for the past two seasons is uh, I've been putting a little bit more time in the stand with, with the bow and I have in the, in the blind with a rifle and it's cost me a couple, couple kills and, and not, not from missing or anything like that, just from, um, unfortunate events. Just, just the other day I was, I was in the, actually about a week ago I was in the stand and, and this pig's been coming in and I, I've been hunting him. Finally got an opportunity right at dark. Uh, it's dark enough. I had to put my, <clears throat> my light on so I could see, uh, see my sights on the bow. He comes out, he's about 40 yards where I ranged him. He's looking right at me, and I got a bad wind at my back. And he put his nose up in the air and looked right at me, and that was it. He turned around and walked back down to the creek, and I didn't get a shot off on him. So he's been coming back. It's been one of those pigs that's just about an everyday hog hitting the feeder. I went ahead and um, upped my my time on my feeder to throw out a little bit more corn it is, it's crunch time. We are in December, which means I got about a month and a week left. And uh, December is going to be busy. It's going to be hard to get any time out in the stand. So it, it's definitely crunch time. Only got a handful of hunts left. Doesn't quite look like things are going to go my way hunting whitetail as far as, as harvesting, you know, what I would call a trophy, and that's fine. We still have some really good bucks hanging around. Um, I have passed on some big deer this year, and that's a win for me. Um, patience is something that I have been learning over the past few years, and I am really appreciating the hunt a lot more because of that. And um, the moment that season is over for us on the farm, we start work for uh, 2024, and hopefully get some of these deer to stick around because that's that's the ultimate goal. Um, but, like I said, we still have a, about a month and a week left. A lot can happen. And, um, you know, me and my brother are still hunting, so, you know, I'm not going to count us out. We've, we've harvested deer in the last 15 minutes of season before. So definitely not going to – you know, not going to call it yet. We're not going to throw in the towel. We're going to get out there and hunt when we can. Um, my brother is coming to town this weekend. He will probably be living in the blind um, as, as much as he can just to try to get an opportunity. There are some mature bucks hanging around, um, you know, and 
it wouldn't it wouldn't be a bad thing to maybe get one one of them uh, off the property just so that some of these younger bucks can have a better opportunity. And in all honesty, you know those those three and a half, four and a half that we got hanging around have a lot more potential to be way bigger bucks than the mature bucks that we have on the farm currently. So um, when I say mature bucks, I'm talking we got a couple that are five and a half. One might be six and a half. Um, so it's interesting to watch. It's interesting to see, you know, how far this farm has come in the past few years. I know I say that a lot, but uh, I, I am in the hunt for pigs. I, I will be doing that probably, you know, I will be hunting hogs just as hard as I'm hunting whitetail in hopes of, of putting some meat in the freezer. Um, still have not, and I've been talking about it for, for weeks, months now, uh, have not harvested a javelina. I still have three javelinas coming in pretty regularly. It's just been one of those things where it hasn't worked out. Even last time I saw that pig, before that, I saw a javelina. I had some does come to the feeder, um, watched them for a while. The javelina literally comes charging out. He's about 80 yards away from me. He comes charging out, scares off the does, and goes right back in the brush. And I don't I don't see him. So I really thought I was going to get an opportunity at him or her. I'm not sure if it you know, what it was, but uh, I'm hoping that that can still transpire. And, and to be honest with you, you know, probably the sooner the better, um, just with how aggressive those things have been lately. Um, but once, once what I've been noticing on camera a lot is once these hobbies come in, they'll, they'll kind of scare the deer off. The deer don't run very far. Usually now I did watch those does just book it across a field gone out of the area that doe was very upset about. She was blowing, and um, they took off. And by that time, those does were, you know, they went from 20 yards from me to 70 yards from me and were completely, at first they were downwind from me um, at, at, at 20 yards. So if they were going to smell me, it was going to be there. They were way off, not even in my, my wind trail anymore. Um when they started blowing and of course that javelina came out. So it was definitely the javelina that, that pushed them out of there and kind of ruined that hunt for me, but not a big deal. Um, They'll, they'll mess up eventually. We got water back in the trough. We've had um, been doing that this year. That's probably the the newest addition plus the protein we've been feeding, trying to get deer to stick around a little bit better. And I do feel like it's, it's worked out a lot. We are not, really dry right now so i i'm going to give most of the credit to the the protein that i've been feeding that extra feed has kept deer in the area they've been hitting that feeder just as much as they've been hitting the corn um and i, I feel like as we get into into summertime that water trough is going to make a big difference even though we are on the river bottom and they have all the water they can drink there's something about those little pools um, those little troughs that they just like a lot better. I feel like they are in their safe zone around there where they're eating. They don't have to travel very far. And if you're throwing out any kind of mineral, especially like a salt lick or something, it's great to have that water right there. Um, just like just like us, we eat something salty, dries your tongue out, your mouth dries out. You you need some water right there. So um, really, really interesting to, to see how the rest of the season plays out and to see – you know, what makes it keep the cameras going uh, throughout January, February, into March. You know, it's a very important time to see, you know, what's going to get to get those deer through the winter. You know, we don't have these harsh winters usually down here in South Texas. 
Um, but we do have a very overactive rut this season than we have in past seasons, at least from what I'm seeing. And um, I noticed, you know, a big buck that I passed on. I had a little limp the other day. He was running just fine when he picked up the pace. But as he was walking, he had a little limp. Definitely been fighting, definitely worn down a little bit. And, uh, you know, some of these some of these bucks, you know, I'm not going to count him out. He's young and healthy. He's four and a half years old. He should recover just fine. But you start getting some of these older bucks, if they get injured or they just get worn down, they will chase to the point of, of exhaustion and die. Um, and, it, and it happens to big deer every year. And it, it's just part of it. Um, you know, that's why we as hunters put out as much feed, put out water, do everything we can um, to keep these deer going. It's very important, you know, to not just feed during season, but to continue continue feeding after season. Um, these does are bred. They need a little extra nourishment. These bucks are worn down. They definitely need the extra nourishment. Get them going. Get them through the winter, you know, and then if you really, you know, if, if money's tight, you can always cut back in the spring. You start getting them rains. After that, they're pretty good. They're going to be fine. Um, you know, if you do have a dry spring and you have a drought in the summer, very, very bad drought, you know, it's very important to keep that water, um, on the property. Very important to try to, to supplement feed in any way, shape or form. Um, whether that's, you know, planting of any kind of food plot, maybe, maybe watering it. Um, uh, if you have that ability, whether it's putting out a protein feeder and, and feeding extra, you know, the, all these things are expensive. I know that. You know, not just talking about getting the extra feeder, but but filling the feeder is what's expensive. And then you, uh, you know, but even a little bit of corn helps out quite a bit. So do what you can, and you will see improvement. We've seen improvement, especially over the past few years, uh, of doing what we can on the farm to really cater to whitetail. And it's not just the whitetail that we're seeing. I'm, I'm starting to see more cottontail rabbits. I haven't seen those in a little while. Um, this year has is, is been, I'm not saying they're running all over the place, but I'm starting to see them. And uh, the past few years, they've been very thin. So I'm seeing some cottontails. Um, the turkeys have always been abundant on this property, so they're doing fine. But uh, one thing that I, I am um, wondering about, and, and it's not something that I'm, I'm devastated over, uh, I have not seen the same numbers of raccoons as I have in the past. Um, the only thing that I did last year was before season started, I went on one hunt where I probably took out about five or six raccoons. Um, that's not a lot compared to the numbers that I've been seeing when you have, you know, upwards to, you know, a dozen of them showing up at night and eating corn at the feeder. You know, and, and we have multiple spots on this property where we have, you know, cameras along the river bottom and at every feeder throughout the night i'm talking a dozen coons so there's there's dozens of them on that river bottom and that was the only thing i did and i i don't know maybe maybe it had an effect on them i haven't seen a whole lot of raccoon activity uh, a little bit enough for them to rip the wires out of my feeder and how to fix that but that's that's part of it and uh that's why we hunt them when we can but uh, it's just been, it's interesting. I, I could sit in the stand and um, not see, last year even, on the, I was hunting a different spot, but only about, you know, 100 to 150 yards from where I'm at now. And I had raccoons every morning, every evening, every time I went and sat. It was at least a, a handful would come out, and I haven't been seeing that. So 
that's that's caught my interest. I'd like to know why um, that happened, but uh, I'm not missing them one bit. They have been showing up quite often at the other river spot. Maybe they like that river spot better. I don't know. Maybe they have to walk just that much further up the bank uh, to my feeder uh, than my brother's uh, spot. So I don't know, but I, I don't miss them. Uh, they have been a pain in the butt. Uh, our our squirrel numbers are through the roof right now. Uh, it's been nice to to see that in the past couple of years. You know, as a kid, we used to hunt them quite often. We haven't been hunting them all that much. In fact, I haven't hunted them at all in recent years. And um, they've really taken off down there. And I think it's about time to start, you know, now that my daughter's five here before too long, you know, it's going to be time to get her a little 22 and start teaching her how to hunt. And there's really no better way to, to teach a kid how to hunt and something as fun as squirrel hunting. It's constant activity as far as you're walking, listening, you know, you're doing a little bit of calling and you're just scoping out. You're, you're really keeping your eyes up in the trees. And, uh, you know, deer hunting can be boring for, for a kid sometimes just sitting in a blind. It's not the most fun thing for them because it involves a lot of patience. The same thing with fishing. That's why, like, panfish is so fun to take kids on because it's just constant action if you can get in them. You know, compared to, you know, catfishing or anything like that, you might be waiting, you know, an hour or so before you get a bite. So, um, small game like rabbits, squirrels, that's that's going to be what we're going to be getting into with her. And I think she's really going to like it. I, I've always enjoyed squirrel hunting. Um, you know, small game, all of that. That's what we grew up doing, and we just burned our barrels up on 22s you know, pretty much shooting everything in the woods as kids. And uh, I think it makes you a, a better hunter. I think, it, you know, anytime you're spending time in the woods, you know, observing, you're going to run across things. You're going to learn tracks. You're going to learn how to track stuff. You're going to be able to keep it. You learn that, like, you develop an eye, um, the hunter's eye, I guess you can say, is if you, you get in that small game, you start to look for any kind of movement. You start to use your ears and all your senses to try to figure out, you know, what that noise is, where it's coming from. And that can be difficult on, on certain terrain, certain areas like, like on our, our spot in the river bottom. You know, you got creeks, you got ridges, you got embankments, trees. It, it's sometimes hard to tell where exactly that call is coming from. And you got to pinpoint it. You got to be quiet and uh, move towards it. And those squirrels, you know, it's funny. You go walking around, they're everywhere. You get a gun, you go hunting them it's like they know they get a little bit i guess you could say squirrely <laughs> and uh it, it's it's a lot of fun but gonna get down to it uh back to hog hunting back to the tournament the true hog hunters tournament uh remember if you are not signed up yet you can do so at true-conservation.org get signed up in the true hog hunters tournament for your chance at winning prizes every month we're gonna be driving our prize for november really soon remember you get signed up you immediately have a chance whether you submit a hog or not. Every hog submitted and approved is an extra ticket in the hat. So our leaderboard uh, so far for this month, and, you know, this is currently I'm doing this podcast on December 1st. So you have, if you are in the tournament, until midnight tonight to get your hog submissions in. If you hunted yesterday uh, on the 30th, and you got your pictures taken before midnight of the 30th, you have a 24-hour window to get those submitted. 
so that we can get them approved so you can get credit and have a chance at winning. So right now in first place, Daniel Polanski, a total of 14. Jarek Hocek, total of 12. Clayton Reynolds with three. Army Hog Hunters 07 with one. Catherine Garwood with one. And Eric at HickcockRanch.com with one, bringing our total for the month of November to 32. So a little better month this this month uh, for November. Uh, I, I'm going to give a lot of credit to the probably people sitting out deer hunting. Uh, let's let's bring that up in, in December. I'm going to try to do my part and get that big boar out of the way. And I know a couple guys getting their traps set. And I think it's going to be a good December. So um, get out there, hunt them any way you can. Get them, get signed up in that tournament and win a prize. We're giving away the SARS nine millimeter pistol to our lucky winner for November, and then December's. You need to get signed up in December. We're giving away a really good prize, donated by NTX Hog Control. These guys built a uh, really nice trap gate. This comes with everything you need to get started. All you have to do is build the pen around the gate. You can do so at a T post and cattle panel. Um, that ain't going to run you much. And you can build this pin custom the way you want it in the area you want it. It's really simple. When you're done with it, you want to move it to another property, you know, you break everything down, throw it on the trailer, take it over there and get set up within a couple hours and trap another 30, 40 hogs over there if you have that. So these things are great. Uh, we've talked to, to guys that had them, and they've actually, um, after – hunting hogs in their property with them and clearing them out first they've turned around and they've rented it out to other other properties and uh have done really well so if you're in the tournament and you get this this prize you have a good chance at, at catching a lot of hogs and and possibly winning more prizes because of it so ntx hog control automatic uh trap gate um about an 1800 value this thing is great it's built well you know, we've had we've talked to I've used box traps in the past. Hogs are a little timid, especially your bigger pigs, a little timid on going to the box traps. Um I've had other guys use use similar traps to mine with an open top and I had pigs crawl out of it. Um you're not depending on on the pin you build, of course. If you don't build your pin strong enough, you could have a problem. But this gate is not gonna give uh very, very well built little contraption i think you're going to really like it so that's december's prize we're going to end the year with a bang and it's looking it's looking good it's been a good year i want to thank everybody for for getting signed up and getting out there and hunting hogs not an easy thing to do you know it's always you see people on youtube and you talk to people that do it and you know sounds fun and easy but when you really get down to the nitty-gritty hog hunting being successful at it time and time again is a lot of work. And you ask just about anybody in this tournament, you know, talk to, to Daniel Polanski, Jarek Hochek, Clayton Reynolds, these guys that are just, you know, really getting after it. Um, you know, Braden Brown is another one that's, that's been in the tournament for a long time. These guys are out there, you know, every chance they get. It's usually late hours, you know, if it ain't, you know, really cold, it's really hot. If, you know, we, there's a there's a lot of things that that uh, there's a lot of hazards out there, and these guys go out all year round and they hunt and they hunt and they hunt and they've invested a lot of time, and a lot of money, you know, their equipment, 
to be successful. And, and yeah, it is, it is a lot of fun. You know, you talk to them, they don't, they're not doing it necessarily, you know, just as a service. They're doing it because they enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. It's a way to get out and, uh, kill some time. But at the same time, it, it can be, it can be work. So, you know, sometimes we get lucky and we sit in the deer blind one walks out and bam, that's it. But other times it's guys, you know, raising and training dogs and, and moving traps and, you know, getting out in the middle of the night and, and running through pastures and, you know, coming up with the game plan. I mean, when you got guys that are, you know, going to the extreme of flying in helicopters and getting their Jeeps out and rigged up and, and mounting thermals on them and, you know, putting people on the top and driving around. You got guys that are, you know, 20 years into raising dogs and, and creating a bloodline, you know, strictly for hunting hogs. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of dedication. And, you know, we like to see that. And most of these guys are here in our, in our neck of the woods. Check out, go on our website. Again, that's true-conservation.org and uh, get signed up. Check out our map. If you can see where these hogs are being eradicated on our map. It's not just the state of Texas, it's the United States. Um, if you are, you know, looking at the map in your neck of the woods where you live, where you hunt, and you're not seeing any blue dots, you need to get signed up. Um, get signed up. Email me, Charlie, at the Sounder Podcast. Uh, tell me where you're at. Tell me what you're doing. We'll, we'll give you a shout-out. And, and uh, let me know how, how you're hunting up there or wherever you're at. Um, there's a... I'm hunting out of Carnes County, Texas, and if I go hunt in, you know, Houston County or out there in Crockett or something east, uh, the game changes, the terrain changes, everything changes. I mean, you, there's there's different ways to do things. People people bait different ways. People have different tactics. There's a thousand ways to do this, and we've seen it. We've seen a lot of different ways in our tournament. Guys are getting really creative, and hogs are very smart. You have to be creative. So it's been a lot of fun this year. We've got a lot of hogs. Let's end it right. Um, we said we will be announcing really soon uh, the winner of our Zars 9mm pistol. Uh, that will be on the next episode, and we immediately begin, starting today, begin our decent retournament. So get out there and hunt. Get out there and trap you a chance at winning that NTX trap board. Um, before we end, we end the show today, you know, we were talking about getting out there and, and hunting. You know, it's looking like, you know, we haven't had a frost yet down here um, as, as far south as we are. I don't know when that's going to happen. It's looking like it might not happen in December, uh, according to the future forecast. That doesn't mean... Uh, a strong front can't pop up, but it's not looking very promising, which adds, you know, that was very much the deal last year. Uh, going back in, into talking about deer hunting, we had, we didn't have, I don't think we had a frost until maybe the last week or maybe it was the weekend after deer season. Um, if I, if my memory is correct, I think it was right after deer season. We didn't have a, a frost, so therefore, you still had a lot of forage. You still had a lot of things for these deer to go and nibble on. Uh, and it kind of kept some of them them bucks from necessarily having to go to a feeder. Um, and it's looking like we could end up doing the same thing this year. And and that's a that that's an added um, variable to hunting when when they have 
other food and, and they can go out there and really not rely on that feeder near as much. So it's looking like it could be, you know, going to the end of the season that we end up getting a frost maybe. Uh, and if we don't get one, for one, it's it's not a bad thing. I don't want to say it's bad. It makes it a little bit more difficult to hunt. But at the same time, these deer should be going into winter when we do finally get a freeze, when we do finally start seeing that colder weather. Um, these deer should still be well fed. They should still be fine. They should be healthy enough to be able to make it through. Uh, you know, we we talked earlier on the show about these deer, these bucks especially, will just run themselves ragged to the point of exhaustion. And these older bucks can sometimes not be able to recover if you have a harsh winter. So we are having a bit of a wet winter, which I'm very grateful for coming out of that summer that we had. And that's always, you know, the rain is always welcome down here. Um, but we're not having that cold weather, but like I said, it's going to, I think, help these deer out. They should be well-fed. They should be able to make it through um, no problem. Now, if you have some, you know, nine-and-a-half-year-old buck that for some reason is running around like a like a teenager out there, you know, <laughs> uh, that, that could – it doesn't really matter how harsh the winter is. He, he just might not be able to recover because that's an old deer. Uh, and they're out there, you know. We, there was one killed, uh, I believe, here in Carnes County not too long ago that was aged at nine-and-a-half, barely had any teeth left in his mouth, uh, and still a really good buck. But uh, it's, it's great to see that. Um, so I'm rolling the dice a lot this year, passing on deer that in previous years I would have I harvested in a heartbeat. And uh, a lot of that's just because I, I see potential. I see, you know, what the farm has done in a few short years. And I, I, I feel like that's because we passed on, on some of these deer before. You know, we my brother's passed on a Big Ten I passed on a couple big eights and you know we do harvest deer every year i got a doe this year we haven't shot a buck yet on the property but in previous years you know we've at least taken a spike or some kind of coal buck um and, and which is interesting as well because we're not seeing near as many spikes um i have one spike on my camera this year compared to previous years where i'd have at least half a dozen showing up so we're not seeing near as many small first year deer um we're getting a lot more of the, the young basket box the small sixes the small eights and like their first set of horns and you know we are a low fence property we're a smaller property compared to most um but that's a big deal for us you know that that first set of antlers i'm not saying a spike can't turn into a you know a one one fifty one sixty class buck in a you know, a few short years, it happens. It's been recorded. But I just feel like when they really start off as a six, when they really start off as, a, as an eight, that first set of horns being a nice little basket, I feel like their potential is better, in, in my opinion. I don't know how true that is, but it really makes you, you know, sit back and go, that's a that's a first-year buck, and he looks – that's a pretty little deer. Um, they're in no way, shape, or form close to being outside the ears legal to, to, to hunt. You know, not that I would anyways, but, you know, for a long time, we had these nasty little spikes and nasty little three points, you know, little four points that they just didn't, like, very thin, very ugly little antlers. And we're starting to see 
a little bit more mass, a little bit more. They just look like they're healthier deer. And my mom made the comment the other day. I was at her house and looking out the window, and we were watching that big buck that I passed on, the one I said that was limping around a little bit, watching him through binoculars because he was with some does and a young buck in that front field and handed her the binoculars. And, you know, she just couldn't believe that we're starting to see deer like that out there because for a long time, you know, her own words, it was just these scrawny little raggedy bucks. But I think that just the the community of hunters, you know, not just in, in our neck of the woods, but really, you know, I would say throughout the United States are becoming a lot more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> um, we're learning a lot. We're taking it in a lot. Um, we are becoming... Oh my God, word just completely slipped out of my mind. We are learning more about whitetail and what we should do as hunters to help them grow, to help cull out what needs to be culled out and help let live what we think needs to be let live. Educated, that's the word. Wow, I have not, I, I stayed up all night with my daughter last night. She was been sick, so I'm, I'm running on fumes right now. Uh, my apologies, but we are becoming a lot more educated as a hunting community. And I think that's really helping out with everybody. People are looking at the three and a half and the four year olds and going, you are a beautiful deer, which is why I'm going to let you go another season. And it's not every hunter out there, you know, um, there's still plenty of guys out there that are shooting the first thing they see. And you know what, if you're doing it on your land, if you're feeding, you got every right to shoot that deer. If it's legal, it's legal. You got a family to feed. Hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do. There's no shame in that. And and we as a hunting community need to stop shaming hunters for doing that. Stop shaming people for not doing it your way. You let a deer walk. That could be the very last time you ever see that deer. And you have to be okay with that. You do not own that deer. If that's what you want, build a high fence and raise your pets and be happy with that. But if you have a low fence property, you got to do what you got to do. And it is not right to shame anybody for shooting whatever the heck they want as long as it's legal. Um, they are doing everything the right way, you know. Now, if they're going out and shooting one and a half year old, you know, uh, with a 10 inch spread, okay. Yeah, you're, you're breaking the law now, at least in my neck of the woods you are. It's a 13-inch spread minimum um, unless it's an unbranched rack. But that's what I'm getting at is we become more educated. We're starting to let these, these deer walk. We're seeing better deer because of it. You know, I think that it's it's really exciting to look at the future and what 10 years might be. You know, we're starting to see deer that are pushing that 150 mark, you know, and we didn't have that six years ago. So in 10 years, are we going to start seeing, you know, 160, 170, possibly 180 class deer? I don't know. Um, it would be neat to possibly see that. You know, we, we I do know a few neighbors that are feeding better. Um, we are trying to do the same. We are trying to provide food plots. We are trying to provide a little bit of protein, water, shelter, everything that these deer could possibly need. Um, and the surrounding areas are doing the same thing. We're starting to see, you know, uh, I don't I would, I don't want to say that we're seeing less farmland because 
the land across from me farms every year and they do really well. I hope that they continue. I think that that helps out quite a bit with the wildlife as well. Um, but I know, for instance, like our place used to be farmed when I was growing up, real crop, and it's not anymore. And it's become more of a ranch for cattle and more of a hunting property. Um, and I think in doing so, we've given we've given the deer. Yes, we've taken away a food source, but we've a lot we've allowed a lot of the natural grasses to come back, um, and they eat that just as much. It may not be as high in nutrients as you know, Grandpa planting Milo or corn, whatever he was doing, you know, back in the day. But I feel like our soil has recovered very well um, in not doing that for the last couple of decades. And our grass is doing so much better. You know, in reality, towards the end of him farming, our soil was so used up and just dry. There was there was nothing to it. You could, it was, you could see the you know, the, the patch, the dry patches in the fields after we started, you know, just letting it grow, you would see just dirt because there's so much just calcium and, you know, it was just bad, bad dirt for a while. And after letting cattle roam for the past couple of decades and just letting these natural grasses come back, I feel like it's really helped out a lot with those deer. We get a good, good clover crop pretty much every year, just naturally growing out there and deer love clover and we get, you know, some climbing grass that grows up. Of course, our, you know, I don't think deer are out there munching on blue stem. They might. I don't know. I think they'll eat it when they have to, but I don't think it's their preferred their preferred uh, meal. But we got plenty of blue stem. It's just the place is looking a lot better. We keep the, the wee satch down to a minimum. Um, if they, you know, we stay off the river bottom as much as we can, especially this time of year, giving them a nice quiet place to enjoy their own little home and habitat. I think that's very, very important. And like I said, we got farms around us. We got lots of, a lot of brush around us. Um, it's kind of a perfect mix for the sizes of property. I think everybody is really doing a great job. And, you know, if any of my neighbors listen to this, thank you. You're, you know, you're doing your part. It, we're starting, we're seeing it, you know, we're seeing it every time we go out. I have had the funnest, the most active deer season of my life, even without harvesting a buck. It has just been, I see more deer roaming through the fields. I see more bucks than I ever have, and not just little bucks. I'm starting to see just beautiful deer with a lot of potential. And the great thing about it is we are going into the final month of deer season, and knock on wood, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the same deer. I'm seeing deer that are making it through the year. They're breeding. And, you know, even now, even if they got harvested here in December, these bucks have been chasing for the past few few weeks really hard. Um, they've, they've bred. You know, they, they've hit their does. They've done their part. Their genetics are going to, you know, be seen in, in future years most likely. Um, so it, it's coming up on crunch time. I can't wait to get out there this evening um, and see if I can get that pig. But you never know. That's oh, that's the best thing about deer season is sitting out there and just never knowing what's going to come out. I've had here recently in the past couple of weeks some very random deer start to show up. There is one particular buck out of all the deer that I think I would harvest. Um, got him on camera. He 
did a shake, um, I guess you could say, kind of. Like he either had the shivers or, or he was trying to knock some flies off of him. And you could see his belly just move. You know, he got a big hanging belly, um, and his belly just wobbled back and forth. Just a, a big older buck with a pretty rack. Um, wouldn't probably be the highest scoring deer we've taken on the property, but definitely a, a, a mount-worthy buck. And just gorgeous. And he's just got some uniqueness to him. That would look really good. He he's a big buck, no matter where you put him in the state of Texas. He's a gorgeous deer, and he's been elusive. I've had him show up just a handful of times. He's been mainly nocturnal. Um, I give myself about a one percent chance of of harvesting this deer this year, but that's gonna do us on time, guys. Thank y'all so much for tuning in to the Sounder Podcast. Remember, next week we're going to be announcing the winner for our November tournament. Get signed up, true-conservation.org for your chance at winning. Remember, December, the NTX, all control, automatic, trap door, about $1,800 value. Great, great prize. Until next week, y'all have a good one. I'm out of here.